Leadership development exists because none of us are perfect, fully realized people. We all have room for growth in our lives, and we need help along the way. Hi, and welcome to Developing Imperfect Leaders. Because the last time I checked, we're not Jesus. This podcast is a project of the Leadership Development Institute at Hope Community Church, intended to help you explore and grow your leadership skills for service both inside and outside the church. I'm your host, Paul Stiver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kaylin Larson. Hello. And Natty Severson. Hey, hey. We are back. Season two. Yeah. Feels exciting to have made it to season two. Uh, and I, I just want to give a quick update since we are, maybe we have some new listeners out there. Welcome new listeners. And we also love you previous listeners. Uh, oh yeah, I should look right there. Okay. So uh, that's not showing up on audio. That's okay. I talked to a camera, friends. <laughs> there we go. I explained it. Um, <laughs> so... This is the Developing Imperfect Leaders podcast. We are imperfect leaders in this room. Uh, again, Paul, Natty, Kaylin, we're on the LDI staff team here at Hope Community Church, and we get to kind of always be thinking about and talking about developing leaders because we that's our job. And so, uh, for example, we have two interns right now that we are, or actually multiple interns, I should say. We have more than two. Sorry, Austin. Uh, you count as well. Austin's in the room here with us, our sound engineer and many other hats that he wears. Uh, we are way behind on what I actually was supposed to be explaining here, <laughs> uh, which is that we talk about developing leaders quite often. And we thought, what if we were able to give away some of these conversations for people out there that are leading, whether they're in the church or outside the church, in the workforce or wherever they might be, who are also leaders and need help growing along the way. And so that's kind of why we're doing this. Every episode, we start off with a little fun fact. And so, uh, what's uh, Kaylin, let's get it started. How are you? And what's a fun fact? Doing well, doing well. Um, a fun fact is I, in 2015, read 46 books. In 2015, in one, specifically? In one year. In one year. So do you feel like each subsequent year is just a letdown in the yeah. book reading? Yes. So that, that was your peak. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was like my peak. And then I'd say since then I averaged maybe like 20. Are we talking you read them all? No, I did listen to all the Harry Potters. Yeah. Oh, so well, I think seven that's Seven okay. of them are I think audio. That, but you, it was still time. How did you grow? More time. Did you probably. change? It was my first year of LDI. Okay. Which a ton of books are read. Like 20 of them are probably yeah. LDI. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then I read for personal because I needed to have a break from LDI books. All the reading. Okay. Did then, you, besides Harry Potter, what was the most impactful book for you that year? Because obviously that was. Eight years ago. I, Were I, they like beach reads or more informational books? Or oh, like, like a combination reads. of yeah. like, yeah, get my head out yeah, of it. Get okay. my head out what of it. What is a beach read? I guess a a beach read is like you read it on a beach so you don't have to think hard. Okay. It's just I do like, like that. yeah. That's, so that's a lot a, of like even like middle grade and young adult stuff that's just, just easy. easy and boxcar children. No, Maybe that's, that's too yeah. a little too. <laughs> I don't know if I would kid with the boxcar for mm-hmm. the beach. I read I read this apparently I'm going to do a new means. fun fact. This will be a different fun fact than what I had written down. Uh which is I used to read the boxcar children in fifth grade. I read it all behind my desk while my teacher was teaching. I read, I can't tell you how many books of the boxcar children I read. And she just so, never noticed? She just, I guess I was that uh, good at hiding it. I doubt it. it. I re- no, she definitely, she was just like, I don't. Like, What, what are you going to do? You can't hey, read in school. stop reading, you kid. Um, so that was, yeah, just segued into my own fun I fact like there. Good. Of boxcar children. 
I don't even really know what the boxcar children are. Hmm. I was not a reader as a child, but that's not my fun fact. My fun fact is that I love obscure sports, like of any kind, obscure sports of any kind. What's an obscure sport? Just like things you don't know about. And then suddenly it's a sport, you know, like- well, pickleball's not obscure like anymore, but it would have been here. historically, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. You know, or like before curling came in the mainstream, like I was like, oh, I love curling. It's like so fun to watch. And I'd have to like find it on the Olympics. But recently, this past weekend, I actually played bow and arrow tag, <laughs> which sounds super dangerous. Like mm-hmm. uh, the idea of it makes it like me sound more. It's it's actually you have a bow and arrow and I actually have a bruise on my elbow. Can you see this? Oh, wow, oh yeah. Is... Wow. Uh, from the string hitting and it turns out I'm quite the sniper with a bow and arrow, oh. but it's essentially like a, an arrow with a big like marshmallow on the head. And so when it hits you, it doesn't really hurt you. Mm-hmm. And you have to wear like a face mask and stuff. And then it's, it's sort of like, you know, the big inflatable like things that you can like hide behind, like for like paintball and stuff. Yeah. Those are all over the course. And then you kind of run around and you turns out I still got game. Like that's, that's can't huge. play the real sports anymore, but bow and arrow tag. That's fun. Yeah. That's awesome to learn that you're awesome at a sport you've never heard of or played <laughs> I mean, before. That's I'm awesome at a hope women's retreat. Yeah. So like consider the so on the scale, that's actually pretty high, probably worldwide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, worldwide. worldwide I'm probably say. ranked top now. ten. Yeah. So Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good. So every episode we do what we call leading question. And it's actually the episode's title question. We want to just engage with an interesting question on the topic. This week, we're talking about the topic of self-forgetfulness, kind of being able to kind of move past, always putting ourselves at the center of the story. And so the question is, why should I become less self-obsessed? Yeah, I read this and I was like, this is a great question, especially in our cultural context. But I thought, firstly, let's take a step back and define what we actually mean by self-obsessed. Because certain people are going to have thoughts about that. So when you think of, when you wrote this word self-obsessed, what were you thinking? Yeah, I was thinking where I, I kind of conduct my life considering myself first in every circumstance, and then others would be second or even in the peripheral. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. I did write down a couple things and I don't know what. Yeah, that would be, is like everything kind of comes back to you first. So mm-hmm. like someone makes a decision about something else and you're like, well, how like this automatically impacts me instead of like the bigger picture. Right. I, I also jotted down, you just spend the majority of your time thinking about yourself or mm-hmm. even when something good happens to somebody else, you can't celebrate with them because you're thinking about how, well, if they got that. So, so yeah, somebody gets re- like promoted at work, you can't celebrate with them because mm-hmm. you're like, that means I'm not getting promoted. Right. right? So right. it's just sort of like everything revolves around me. It's almost like a toddlerish way of thinking. Yeah. Like the whole world revolves around me. So, all right. So then in answering the question, why should I become, you know, like less self-obsessed, you know, it's just basically, it sounds like the captain obvious answer is, but because it's the heart of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what Jesus did, mm-hmm. right? He mm-hmm. was the God of the universe and he, took on like a human form and then came to earth and went through a whole bunch and we can, and then died just for us. Like the kind of the antithesis of being self-obsessed. He was, he was focused on us and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that led to like the salvation of humankind. Yeah. Right. That's pretty amazing. And I'm not saying our self-obsession will lead to the salvation of humankind or our lack of self-obsession will lead to the salvation of humankind, but laying down our lives is gonna produce fruit mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna, gonna to represent be, yeah christ right yeah 
And in our culture, I think that often means just laying down our preferences and comforts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, what about you? Why should I become less self-obsessed? Uh, I said because it's freeing. Mm. Um, mm. I know that the times that I am worried about what other people think, um, it just feels like this huge burden or weight on my shoulders. And then I feel paralyzed too by almost every decision I have to make. Mm. Um, so I'm acting as if I'm in bondage to other people or the standards I might have for myself instead of being confident in who God's created me to be. That's really good. Yeah. I, I kind of was in the similar line of like yeah, freeing or, or just more joy, like I, just to not have to always be it all on your shoulders or just the exhaustion that comes with always trying to think, how do I look today? How do, mm. how are people perceiving me? Some of those other things that kind of flow out of self-obsession, I want to connect it back, Nettie, to what you said too, um, because I think in culture, which you highlighted, we're told, consider yourself more. Like mm-hmm. like the way to have true life is actually to isolate and consider yourself more. Like think about who you are, how others are impacting you, and then protect yourself against those things and then exert uh, or express yourself on society by how you've discovered yourself. And, and it, you mentioned the gospel. The opposite is true for the gospel, right? The gospel shows us true life, which is is Jesus ultimately, right? And here he is, is laying down his life, considering others. And so I think just another one with why should I become less self-obsessed is there's so much more joy in considering others. And not that we don't forget our own self-interest. Obviously, we still have to think about ourselves, but uh, that when we think about others and how they're also impacted by even our actions or choices, it, it actually becomes more freeing and more joyful. I do think too that you brought up something there and there's an irony in that because we think we're going to find joy mm-hmm. and life mm-hmm. in our self-obsession, right? So mm-hmm. when we do that, when we choose that, when society's telling us to do that, we actually think we're going to find joy and life in that. And we see people for a time probably finding some measure of joy and life in that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. people online, celebrities, even people we know who mm-hmm. kind of get all the things they hope for and they wrap their world around themselves. They seem happy for a time. But I think what we see, if we track it long enough, is it doesn't last, yeah. right? You get these glimpses of it and you're like, if I had that, I would be happy. If mm-hmm. I had that person's life, I would be happy. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to do that for me. And then we find that over time, much like kind of the Ecclesiastes, if you go and read Ecclesiastes, it's all, in the end, you search for everything, you get everything you ever wanted, and in the end, all you can declare is meaningless, right? Yeah, right? yeah. So let's move into the quote of the week. So every week, again, we kind of want to dig into a quote that's related to the topic we're discussing. And so this week's quote comes from a book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by a guy named Tim Keller. And it's kind of a longer quote, but I'm going to read it here. It says, Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself, not needing to to connect things with myself. It is an end to thoughts such as, I'm in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? Do I want to be here? He says, true gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself. The freedom of self-forgetfulness, the blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness brings. True gospel humility means an ego that is not puffed up, but filled up. This is totally unique. Are we talking about high self-esteem? No. So is it low self-esteem? Certainly not. It is not about self-esteem. So as we dig into that quote, there's obviously a lot to unpack there. 
but he's getting after this concept of there's a freedom and a, and a joy that comes out of having this, he uses the line, have an ego that is not puffed up, but filled up. And in the book, he talks about when we are boasting in things, when we're trying to make a name for ourselves, we're kind of puffing up our ego or we're trying to like inflate ourselves. If you think about a balloon, we're trying to inflate ourselves to be something that we're not. And the gospel actually comes in and intersects that and says, oh, you actually, you're defined not by what you do and, and even your high or low self-esteem, you're defined by your savior. And when you understand that, it creates, it produces a humility that allows for you to kind of stop making yourself the center of the world because you know, deep down, you're okay in Jesus. And so therefore you can radically start to consider others. I guess that's an unpacking of the quote, but then what do I make of it? Or, or we always kind of like to break down, what do we make of this quote? For me, it is um, when you are living a life of self-obsession, you are always asking questions like, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I beautiful enough? Am I successful enough? Am I intelligent enough? Am I enough? And this is where I love this quote and this idea of gospel humility, because the gospel comes in and says, in one sense, no, you're not. Everything you've tried and to save yourself has fallen short. And in the other sense, you, you, despite all that, you are loved. You're loved beyond what you could ever have imagined, so much so that, that there's a Savior, Jesus, who died for you because he desired to have you as his own. And when you understand that, that does really free you up to be less focused on yourself and then to be able to give away to others in a way that you otherwise couldn't because you would have been thinking about yourself. I'd love to hear from you guys too. That was kind of a lot for me there. Let's hear from Kaylin. What do you make of this quote? Um, I, as I read it, I was like, oh, that is convicting. Um, for those who are familiar with the Enneagram, I am a three. And so, and threes care a lot about association. So uh, as he is saying in that quote, um, what are people thinking of me in this situation? Or I'm like, oh gosh, I think about that all the time. Does does X, Y, or Z reflect well of me? Mm-hmm. And then that gets on. And when I, that gets on repeat in my mind, I am almost like using other people or an activity or whatever it is to make myself look good, which is just, <laughs> I do not enjoy when sure. I like see that within myself. Um, and so it's convicting because then I'm like, okay, am I praising God for the way he's created these people or using this situation to make his name known and not my name known? Um, and then the second thing is I really like that he brings up the concept of self-esteem uh, because we can be confident and comfortable with who we are and still just rest in the work God is doing versus overthinking every interaction or every situation um, we come across. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I have yawned about seven times during this. If I and I I'm never just think, a boring communicator. I never wow. think about it, but this camera's staring me right in the face, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, a lot of good yawn Dan's going to pan the, the camera to me every single time. Dan is doing our <laughs> camera work here, um, and every time there's going to be like a little natty yawns counter at the bottom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how embarrassing! It's not you, it's me. Okay. Uh, so I may, maybe I should consider some amount of caffeine this afternoon. Um, 
But the, I guess the yawn is appropriate given the thing that stood out most to me in the quote was the the phrase blessed rest. You guys talked about freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that it's a similar vibe, right? Mm-hmm. It's this unpacking from that, right? Blessed rest. Uh, and that sounds pretty great. And not because I'm yawning because I'm physically tired, but I maybe <laughs> am a little bit tired here. But um, that blessed rest that is this, that end to that, to that, like that grab at yes. control, that yes. grab at comfort that grab at power whatever we're grabbing at that we're so worried about ourselves and so um I I have been thinking about how recently my dad has been experiencing some health issues and and the one thing that I've been really reflecting on is my own level of self-obsession in that Mm. right some people would call it self-care and I think some of that is true of like okay I have to draw limits to how much I can help out and be at things but other things that I, I'm I'm you know it's kind of embarrassing to talk about but sin is real so I'm going to talk about it is to think about how much I think about my dad's health in regards to me mm-hmm. like how does his illness impact me how does how does this now it's going to cost me time it's going to cost me emotional energy which is that's true but it's really sometimes at the at the expense of of actually acknowledging and being empathetic for how mm-hmm. it's affecting him and he and my mom, who it is definitely more directly impacting. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it feels amazing to think of blessed rest, to like lay that down and really like focus on somebody other than myself. Because mm-hmm. when I focus on myself, then I just start to worry about the future, mm-hmm. what this means for me in the long run. And so it's just like getting outside of myself right now. We spend, again, we spend so much time wondering how we measure up or what's going to mm-hmm. happen next or how things make us look that we, you know, like, we just struggle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and even like when we have a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. if we're worried about how we look, mm-hmm. we stop thinking about what they're actually saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was having a hard time concentrating on what you were saying because I was yawning and I was like, oh no, that looks bad yeah. now that I'm a camera and I'm yawning and you looked at me while you were talking <laughs> while I was yawning and I was like, oh no, that's probably distracting Kaylin and she's like thinking she's boring and no, it's just warm and I'm comfortable, I guess, in this <laughs> giant hoodie. Yeah. and and. I stopped listening, right? Because I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't That's listen great. because we're busy thinking we're about ourselves. Obsessed. Yeah. It's great to hear personal examples. I don't have any, but if I did, no, that, that's really helpful. You're just not a sinner. <laughs> no, I definitely have. But, but <laughs> Natty's really hits me too of how often I allow what is going on with others to, my first thought is how does this impact me instead of how does it impact them, which feels so unreal to actually realize and think about that. That is self-obsession. And so the gospel does set us free from that. I do want to bridge into thinking about leadership in particular. Why would humility and self-forgetfulness or just being less self-obsessed prove to be valuable in leadership? And I can start and actually possibly have something profound to say. I don't know if this is going to be profound or not. We're going to find out. Here's the sentence. The essence of leadership is being others-focused. Did you just make that up? No, I wrote it down. But the essence of leadership is being others focused or another way of thinking it. The essence of leadership is being sacrificial. So he's going to use this as a quote of the week. This later. could be my, this coming, is my, right? He's setting himself when, up to be the quote of the week. When someone but starts, you created this quote yourself. I, you didn't I hope anyway. so. Oh. I, I, could, I wrote it with as if I thought it myself. Please leave in the comments if you know that if Paul is plagiarizing <laughs> this I quote. I hope I'm not plagiarizing this quote. But the essence of leadership is being others focused. And what I mean by that is if I am leading, what I'm trying to do is move others in a direction. 
So if I'm trying to move other people in a direction, I inherently must be thinking about other people. I have to be thinking about what they need, what what's going to help them, what's going to bless and benefit them, which by nature means I can't be thinking about what I need, what I want, what my little kingdom is going to look like. I have to be others focused. And then when you take that approach, it feels like it is freeing because now you're just thinking about how can I bring this person along? What do they need? And from a coaching standpoint, from a care standpoint, and, and actually now I have disconnected from making it all about me. And I think that's, yeah, the essence of leadership. That's my profound quote. What do you guys I think? Would, I love it, but I would add the word, the essence of healthy leadership. Oh, sure. Because I think you can go a long way just by being the first person to do something. You can get people to follow you, even if you're not thoughtful of the other people. So healthy, good quality leadership has others in mind because that's the idea of leading. Like people are going to come with you, right? It's not just about you, but I do think you can run a long way and you could really Mm -hmm. Pied Piper, so to speak. A lot of, a lot of people just by having the first idea, that's a good idea. Even if you don't really care about who follows you Mm -hmm. or if they're following you, does does that make sense at all? So I would add the word healthy because not just because people are following somebody doesn't make it healthy, other centered leadership. Mm -hmm. You're right. So, Okay, what are your thoughts about this idea of why should I be, or why humility, self-forgetfulness for leadership? Um, I have said it already, but I think there's just a lot of freedom then in being able to lead. Um, Because you aren't thinking about what are others thinking in this moment as I am leading them. You can then instead, just like you were saying, lead them versus caring about yourself. Like I turned to Nadia just a minute ago and I like was like oh my gosh I remember a time that I was like so worked up I was just like in so warm and when I get I just (laughs) do not do well and so so what happens when you get really really when I get really really nervous and warm and I'm thinking about myself more than leading others I like get lip sweat and so (laughs) I just remember in this meeting I was so worried about what all these people are thinking versus actually leading them it was like an out-of-body experience wow. <laughs> because i couldn't even tell you what happened in that meeting because just, i was uh, so concerned she came to my office and she's like it was terrible i had lip sweat the whole time <laughs> lip sweat the whole time and she just gets very expressive when oh, yeah. she's flustered oh, so it's amazing yeah and i i feel that too and i would say to, i didn't really my answer to that question is why is it valuable in leadership is is because self-forgetfulness that that so, lack of self-obsession means you're turning the focus on somebody else. So mm-hmm. if I, I stop thinking about the fact that I need to yawn, I'll probably yawn less, one, <laughs> right? Because I'm not thinking about yawning. Yep. And then two, I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. So you are going to feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm just hearing you and trying to think about me having a cleverly crafted response mm-hmm. or me seeming cool or smart or whatever I'm going for, you're not going to feel seen. My response to you isn't going to reflect you. It's going to reflect me. For sure. So if I'm listening... And I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about Austin and Dan and Paul. I'm going to have an answer that or a response that makes people feel seen, hopefully makes them feel understood. And we as leaders, that will help us make better informed decisions because we're actually listening to the people we're leading. Well, and people will stick with us because they'll feel cared for Mm -hmm. and seen. That's really good. All right. So every episode we like to consider growing together. We want to get practical 
Um, and so this, the goal of this podcast is to help imperfect leaders to grow. So keep in mind that this is a journey. There's not necessarily a right answer and we're all on that journey. What are some practical ways we can bring humility into our leadership? Kay, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't think this is something that we can do out of like our own strength. And so what I wrote down or what I thought about was like bringing the Lord into it. So asking him and praying to him for just a humble heart for him to like lead you as you lead others and just to trust his guidance um, to just like release that control and to release whatever other emotions you might be feeling in that moment of leading others so that you truly can lead people well. That's awesome. Yeah, we got to have him involved. That's, I think, where humility comes from, right, is, is ultimately knowing the Lord. And um, I would add, so one I had was, I just had one thing, which was um, self-examine your tendencies to serve yourself, hmm. which is a lot of self-language right there. But, like, we've got to be willing to, and I think the gospel frees us up to, look at ourselves in the mirror and say, oh, this is a way I make it about me. This is a way I'm making it about me. This is a way I'm making leadership about me. And and how do we then dismantle some of those with truth and with others helping us so that we're not always just making it about us? Mm. Nettie, what about you? Yeah, I think mine builds off of what I just said a little bit ago. It's take time to really, really understand the needs of the people you lead. So, you know, you think of if you're a pastor or a leader at a church, do you really know the people you serve and lead? Or do you just know what you're interested in or or the people you have most contact with, like your elders or your key leaders? Do you know, or maybe even the squeaky wheels, right? Yeah. And maybe the people are coming to you in your ministry. And if you're at work and leading a team, it could be that you just know those people you directly deal with and the people who maybe complain the most. And you're going to make decisions based on those. But do you know who's like sitting in the pews on a Sunday morning? Do you know your the whole team, even the people who say less? Um, if we're not as focused on ourselves, we're going to scan the room better, mm-hmm. and we're going to see all the all the people hopefully, and and try to learn and hear from them, so we can know their hearts and their interests, and maybe even their spiritual lives, instead of having sort of just a rough caricature of who we think is there. We'll actually mm-hmm. know who who's there and who we're trying to lead. So we are all imperfect leaders and have room for growth. And so I just want to hear what is one takeaway uh, that you're taking from this conversation as you think about this topic for your own life? And I actually will start by answering my own question. Um, And that is uh, really it's been provoked in in this conversation, which is I want to be thinking about all the ways I make everything about me. And I want to start identifying those and not doing that is like pretty straightforward, but like, wow, just the examples you guys shared. And I'm immediately thinking of times where it's like, yeah, my first thought is, yeah, how did this decision impact me? How is this interaction impacting me? And I want to instead be yeah, looking to be more others focused. I think to do that is, is to go back to Jesus and, and see it in him, but also ask for the grace to start doing that more. Um, Natty, what about you? What is a takeaway for you? Similarly, I was thinking about how, it's ironic that it takes self-awareness to realize we're self-obsessed, <laughs> right? So it's thinking about yourself to realize you're thinking about yourself. So that that's an important thing to think about. So we're not saying that we shouldn't be self-aware people, mm-hmm. but I do think self-awareness can become this like, once I know I'm an Enneagram 3 and I'm a whatever, whatever, and I'm not 
it's I, I think your actually your Enneagram knowledge has led you to be more self-aware, less For self-obsessed. Sure. Yes. So that, it's a good thing in your case. But I think we can do this overdoing it and become like, well, it's all about me meeting the needs of my ABCD personality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like whatever. Right. And so I think finding that tipping point between self-awareness and self-obsession. Now that we can see Austin more, does anyone wonder what he's writing in that secret yeah, book all the it's time? Just, it's actually high I'm, I'm paying attention to what's happening besides with me. And now I see of all of our, our sound guy feverishly writing how he's going to cut this portion yeah, out. Cut all this out. He, he, yeah. All right. Kaylin, what about uh, you? What's take your takeaway? My <laughs> um, similar to both of yours, is the idea of just like self-examining. Um in situations am i quick to think about myself and how that impacts me or am i actually uh thinking how that might impact others or how others might feel um so and i think just praying through that as well taking those thoughts captive well that wraps up our conversation for today but we want to keep connecting with you so thank you for listening to the podcast and if you like what you heard be sure to follow our show and leave a review we love connecting with our listeners so if you have questions comments or topic ideas please email us ldi at hopecc.com ldi is a ministry of hope community church based in minneapolis minnesota we seek to develop leaders in their biblical thinking christ-like character and ministry skills for service both inside and outside the church. We do this through internships, classes, seminars, and retreats. If you're interested in learning more about our internships or other opportunities, visit ldi.hopecc.com or email ldi.hopecc.com. Have a great week.